welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. This week on the podcast is ABCA Division III High School Assistant Coach of the Year, Tonga Noxie's Brad Shelton. Coach Shelton has 20-plus years of experience as a coach and special education teacher. Tonganoxie High School had their best season in school history with a 20-4 record and losing to McPherson in the Kansas High School State Championship. In this episode, we discuss what has kept Coach Shelton going in special education and coaching field all these years, challenges and positives of being at a small school, traits of successful programs, and what he's learned along the way coaching basketball and baseball. Let's welcome Coach Shelton to the podcast. Here with Brad Shelton, assistant, uh, Tonganoxie High School, ABCA assistant coach of the year, but best season in school history, so runner-up state finish. So, Brad, thanks for jumping on with me. No, thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. I mean, what does it mean with, with getting this award? Well, first of all, shock. I mean, <laughs> but it did mean a lot to me. It was uh, our head coach and our principal called me into the office, and I had no idea what was going on. And um the team was in there and yeah, it, it caught me by surprise. And, and then about a half hour later, some, the emotions hit that, wow, that's pretty cool. So, um, I mean, know, is there some, some validation for a life of service? I mean, you've been 20 plus years, been a special ed teacher also. So, I mean, does that kind of validate a life of service? Yeah, I guess I, I haven't really viewed it that way. It's just, I almost feel, you know, believe it or not, kind of embarrassed because I, I, I normally, I'm not a, I'm not a guy that likes a lot of attention. So, um, you know, but it was a humbling experience. I've had hundreds of people say, you know, congratulations, well-deserved. And sometimes I feel like, well, I know there's a lot of guys out there that deserve it probably more so than I do, but, um, I, you know, I have a lot of gratitude towards coach Loomis and, and I believe in McPherson high school, Kansas, uh, high school, their head coach, um, actually had a part in it as well. So, you know, it's humbling to think that people think that of you and, you know, I'm not going to give it back either. So, <laughs> and I do want to shine some light. I, I don't think a lot of people know like the hard work that goes in with our committees. You know, we have committees for for every level of college and then high school. And Jimmy Harris runs our All American committee, but Heath Gerstner 
McPherson's coach. He's the Region 5 Divisional or All-American Committee member. And then Ryan McGinnis out of Wisconsin runs our Region 5 for the Divisional. And then John Fitzpatrick's out of Iowa, and he does the Region 5 for the high school committee. Um, and, and that's kind of how it works. You know, guys work their way up, and the All-American Committee is our best committee because guys get to come to Omaha, and those guys are in there banging away. With everything, it's the All-American teams, it's the Gold Glove Awards, but then it's the head coaches and the assistant coach awards as well. So those guys put a lot of time in for 12 months. So I appreciate all the hard work that the high school committees put in. Well, yeah, I appreciate it as well. And it's, uh, you know, I don't know all goes behind the scenes, but I knew, I do know that I wouldn't want that position. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do respect the heck out of anybody that wants to be on there and, uh, um, I do appreciate the the honor and it's very humbling. Like I said, you know, b- best season in school history, twenty and four, and then you guys lost to McPherson uh, the the second game of the double header. You know, just walk us through the season a little bit. You know, well, going into the season, we honestly thought we knew we we knew we had some good returning players, and and the, we knew we probably had the best four A player in the state, which he was awarded the co four A player of the year. So we knew we were going to have some success, um, but I'd be lying to you if I said we thought we were going to have that kind of success. Um, and I can just tell you, it it goes back, it goes to the kids, it goes to the seniors we had on the team last year. They they really bought into our message. They they worked hard. Um, it was one of those teams that if Coach and I, you know, we probably he made the comment several times, we probably wouldn't even have to show up, and they'd still they'd be in our routine and they'd be leading practice, and they wouldn't miss a beat. Um, so I, I, you know, I give most of the credit to them um, because of their work ethic. Uh, they bought into being team players, playing for each other, and they just didn't want to lose. They they refused to go down, and we finally met a buzz saw McPherson. But man, it was a fun ride, and uh, yeah, it was the best season in school history, and would have been fun to end it on another win. But it was we met a good team, and it, we we lost fair, fair and square. So, what's your guys' student population there? It is 680, I believe. Okay, so I mean that's that's a medium range school. Yeah, and we we do play most of the teams we play throughout the the regular season are bigger schools and and coach schedules that way on purpose um, to kind of test put our players to the test and you know we preach about not playing it's not the team we're playing we're playing the game of baseball 21 outs one pitch at a time and. And some some teams buy into that, some don't. Last year's team bought into that, and they they didn't get intimidated by anybody, and they felt they belonged every time out. And I believe that was a big key to our success. Do you have any JV responsibilities? I do not. Yeah, just in practice, I work with them a little bit you know, sometimes based on the needs, but I'm mostly uh, involved with the varsity. You have JV and varsity going at the same time? Ye- yes, they are usually on the road when we're at home. Um, yeah, we split, but we usually practice together if we can, and um, that way they're getting the same message that our varsity players are. I mean, you've been there a long time. You know, Have you ever thought about leaving there, or is that home for you? Well, it's home for me. Um, unfortunately, I will tell you this. I've got two grandkids on the way, and I had to break the news to Coach Loomis just a couple months ago that I am re- I'm actually resigning from baseball. Yep. What, um, what age are they? Uh, well, one was just born three days ago. Okay. Um, and one will be born in March. Um, my wife's also a travel nurse. So, 
you know, during the baseball season, we, we don't see a lot of each other and, and felt it was time to kind of back off a little bit. It wasn't an easy decision. It was a very emotional decision for me. And when I told coach, I, you know, I had to fight the tears back, but he understood. Um, but it's something I'm going to miss once the season starts for sure. You can always come back if you need to. I mean, you may not want to, but, but you yeah, can I can, I can always Brett Favre it, I guess. Yeah, if you miss it, back you can always forth. head back. <laughs> I mean, how much has it changed for you over the 20 years since you've been coaching? I think the most of the way it's changed is the fact that the kids kind of do their own thing in the summers now. It used to be where we try to organize it and, and play other league schools or play Legion ball, this and that. But the kids, we found that if they go, you know, off and play, find a real competitive team to play for in the summertime, that they actually get a higher level of experience doing that. And as long as they're treating it, you know, as getting better and working on the fundamentals of the game that uh, we try to tell them that sometimes you might find something, you might learn something that we haven't taught you and bring it back. Um, so I think that's a positive thing too. And some of them have, some of them have brought some things back that have helped them be more successful than what we were teaching. So we always tell them there's more than one way to skin a cat. So I think that's the biggest way it's changed that we got kids that are going and playing for other teams and probably playing at a higher level than what we could put together ourselves who do they usually go out where you guys are at located who are the in the kansas the, city kansas, kansas city, city area yeah most of them play with kansas city uh metro teams you know you've been in the classroom for a while too. i mean what drew you to special education that's a tough that that's a calling for sure so what drew you to special education oh well, i started teaching uh physical education health and, and strength and conditioning and um, I actually got out of education after about nine years of that um, and found out in the in the private sector wasn't quite a, the grass wasn't quite as green as I thought it was going to be. Um, had an opportunity to get back into teaching, but I would have had to get my master's to go into special education. And um, the principal at the time that was recruiting me, he talked me into it and I'm glad I did it. Um, I've actually enjoyed it. I actually enjoy working with the kids and um, my coaching uh, responsibilities have shifted because I used to coach a lot of basketball and football and, and now it's just been strictly baseball for the last several years, but it's been enjoyable to be able to focus on one sport and kind of put my time and effort and energy in the hallways into our baseball players and letting them, you know, build those relationships in the hallways and not, you know, cause before I wasn't able to see them in the fall and winter cause I was coaching other athletes. So that's been a big change for me as well. I mean, what was eye-opening for you going out into the real world away from education that, that wanted to bring you back? <laughs> that every job has challenges. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, man, getting out of teaching, <laughs> going into the private sector, I, I won't have to deal with, you know, certain things. And um, But yeah, every job has its challenges, I found out. And I also found out I just missed, I missed being around teenagers. Yeah, it keeps you young, doesn't it? Yeah, well... To a certain degree, sometimes you get a few gray hairs, but <laughs> I wouldn't trade it. And and things like this award, when it was presented to me, I mean, that's what hit me. I When I got a little emotional about an hour after, I was just sitting in my office thinking, wow, I mean, sometimes you, you get grumpy being around kids and parents and things like that. But when, when things like that happen and your team's in there and patting you on the back and giving you hugs, it's like, what is there to be grumpy about? I mean, <laughs> that was probably the highlight of my career, honestly. What's changed about being an educator? Um, 
Well, cell phones, I'll, I'll be honest yeah. with you. Cell phones is yeah. probably the biggest challenge is big, the biggest thing is because you have to worry more about liability. Uh, you have to worry about now the big thing, kids are airdropping and sometimes it's not appropriate for school. Yeah. Um, so, and then the, just the distraction of it. So I would say by far and away, that's the biggest thing that's changed. Do you have no cell phones in the classroom? Yes, we do. We obviously we have a rule that you, when the teacher asks you to put them away, put it away. But you know, there's always going to be those that challenge that rule, and having to constantly remind that. And and then if you do have to ask for it to put it away, uh, if a kid violates the rules and you have to ask them for it, sometimes that can become an issue. They don't want to give it up. So yeah, we didn't have to deal with that 20, 25 years ago. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's I don't. But I, the, the toothpaste isn't going back in the the tube, though, and that's the <laughs> the hard part with you know that age group is you can try to educate as best you can and and how the smartphone interacts with your brain, but they're they're still teenagers, so they're still going to do what they want. That's absolutely true. You know, I remember being that age and people telling me certain things, and I remember thinking, "Ah, oh, you're old. You don't know what you're talking about." Exactly. <laughs> so I'm sure that's what's going through their head now too. Were you going to coach getting into education? Did you know you were going to coach? Yeah, that's the main reason I got into education is because I, I wanted to coach. You know, I was very active in athletics as a high schooler. And not that I was that great, but I, I was active and, and loved it. Uh, so I always knew I wanted to coach. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what led me to teaching. So, I mean, coaches growing up, who, who impacted you the most to the coaches that, that you had along the way? Well, I can say Greg Tanzer, um, he was my middle school basketball coach. He now lives in Bennington, Kansas. I just chatted with him a while back. Um, he was a, a great, great junior high coach, taught me the fundamentals of the game. And then my high school coach, Clark Coco, um, he was, uh, he used to be a former coach at Fort Wayne State in Nebraska. And then he was most recently the Dean of Education at Washburn Tech. But uh, the man knew how to motivate uh, knew how to teach defense. Uh, that's what probably helped me more as a coach than anything, because before I had him as a coach, I was more offensive minded um, by far. I like, I love to shoot the basketball. <laughs> he taught me that you had to play defense if you want to get on the floor. So, and then uh, as I coached uh, out of college, I coached with a, a man by the name of Kevin Muff. He played at Kansas state university and uh, coached at Pitt state. He was the head men's coach there for a while, but he basically just brought all of what I had learned prior to together um, and started taught, teaching me more in the ins and outs as far as strategy, uh, offensively, actions and how to make people harder to guard, things like that. So those are probably the three that were most influential. But I will say um, coaching with Coach Lomas in baseball, uh, I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on here and, and, uh, he helped me get this award, but he is, he could step into the division one ranks at any time. Not a doubt in my mind. The guy is, knows baseball inside and out. He knows kids inside and out. Um, and I can tell you that this team we had this year, there's a lot of other coaches that wouldn't have won 19 games with him. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there. He's a, he's a great guy, great coach, and he definitely had a, a big influence on me as well. How many multi-sport guys do you have? We have, I would say, well over 60 to 70% of our kids. So everybody's are, playing everything. Yeah, well over half. Yep. 
most of them uh, either play basketball, football, wrestling. When can and, you start working with them in, in Kansas? Uh, we can we can do like conditioning, off season conditioning with them, um, pretty much at any point. And we do we usually don't gear that up till after Thanksgiving. Uh, we start doing some conditioning, bringing them in like two or three times a week, and more. How so much basketball can, conditioning are you doing with the baseball guys? Not much. It's mostly <laughs> core. It's mostly leg and core work. Um, my dad was a basketball guy. Yeah. My dad wanted to be a basketball coach. He didn't want to be a baseball coach. So uh, some of our conditioning came straight out of a basketball practice. So we would run you suicides. Friends, we huh? would run 17s or organs. Like we, we did all of it, which um, not sure if it was – it was effective from a mental standpoint. Yeah. We had to push through things, but it's nice to hear that things have changed. Well, the main reason we, we tell them conditioning, but it's mainly to get them together and start building some yeah. team unity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we mainly focus on legs, core, core strength, stuff like that. And we don't kill them. Like I said, mainly it's to get them together and start building some unity. And, and then on Fridays, we just, we implemented a thing where we have coffee, coffee with the coaches. We bring them in at seven fifteen in the morning and just to get them together and we bring in donuts and have some coffee and just to kind of build those relationships. And that's another small thing that I think probably has helped our program as well. What are some of the things you guys are talking about on those Friday mornings? Life. Like a lot of the kids usually gear the conversation with what they've seen on TikTok or what somebody <laughs> said online and in on Twitter or whatever. But we do talk a lot of baseball too. Like the kids like to talk a lot of smack to each other. So those are the times when we the coaches kind of they see us outside of the the lines of uh, the intensity that we have in practice and and we get to joke around with them, but it's usually a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> How do you help them sift through that nonsense? Because there's there's so much of it out there. How do you help them sift through what they're seeing on their phone? Well, we do. We talk about it quite a bit. About we are very very big about whether it's on the field or whether it's on online. We tell our kids we don't want to be known as a program that runs our mouth. Yeah. Um, and honestly, to be quite frank, that probably helped me in receiving this award. Uh, because I don't think or I would have been very well thought of if we if we did put a team out on the field that ran their mouths and things like that. So our kids are pretty aware of how we feel about getting online and, and talking trash to, you know, whether it be opponents or uh, whether it be on the field. So I think they probably like to get it out when they're on these Friday morning meetings because so, they know that coach is not afraid to, you know, set them out if they're if they're doing something that's going to be a detriment to our team unity. So, Hey, how do those, the Kansas playoffs work? So do does everybody get in and then how's it go? How's the format go from there? Yeah, it used to be, we had uh, sub States, you know, that were broken up into certain different, but now they, they seed it um, East versus West. Uh, we have 32 teams in our class and they seed it one through 16 in the East and one through 16 in the West. And then the you play it that way, and if you get through, if you get to the champion, so you're playing the West four. versus the East is a championship game. Yeah, uh, no, actually, the they'll they meet it's the top four in the West play the top four in the East. Okay. They all go to state, so you have eight eight teams to go to state. Where's that hosted at? It's in Salina. It's called Dean Evans Stadium in Salina. That's where it's at every year, and real nice facility. They just got all turf here a couple of years ago, and. The last time we played there in 2018, it wasn't. We had a big rainstorm and had to suspend it and then move down to Wichita to finish it up. But 
Um, they've got, it's an outstanding facility, nice central location in the state of Kansas. Do you guys go in the day before? We did. Uh, yeah. Is that I the first hotel trip for your guys? No, uh, we, we took one to Fort Scott, Kansas, uh, to a tournament down there that that's one of the places that that's where we got to, uh, I think two of our losses early on. We played a really good team or two down there and coach did that on purpose because for two reasons, he wants to see that tougher competition, but also, um, he, he made the comment when he said, we're going to go down to Daylor and we're going to stay overnight because we, we want them to be able to get used to that before state. So he was already envisioning that we were going to make a run at the end of the year. And, and so we got him down there and got him to stay overnight in a hotel and kind of taught him what we expectations were in, in case it happened again. And it did. So what do you feel like kind of separated this year's team having success, maybe in some years past didn't have type of success? our senior, senior class. I, I can say that I give most of the credit to them. You know, we obviously had some younger kids that did some great things, but uh, the work ethic of our seniors, the staying after practice, getting extra reps uh, in the team huddles, the uh, kind of being on each other and, and holding each other accountable in the hallways, in the classrooms. We had a couple seniors in particular that, um, they, they wouldn't come rat anybody out to us, but we knew that things were getting taken care of that needed to be taken care of. And if they saw something they thought was going to throw us off course, um, they, they had no problem kind of getting kids back in line. And, you know, I give most, if not all the credit to that senior class. And that's a huge one for a successful team, isn't it? Where the it's player led on, on accountability. Yeah. Especially for the high school kids, they're in their own peer group and, High school kids aren't always going to want to step out of their shell, but if you have a couple that are willing to do that, it sets up to be really good. Yeah, and, you know, I can tell you, it's not just baseball. I've, I've coached football and, and basketball as well, and some of the best teams I've ever coached is you can pretty much think back and look like what was the leadership qualities of your senior class, and there's a direct correlation. <laughs> what are you bringing from those other sports onto the baseball field? Well, this past year's team had more football players that had some success in the football on the football field. So I think that brought a, some grit more, a little more grit to our team um, that, you know, we're going to, we're going to go out there and battle. Um, but we also, one of our top players last year was also a state championship wrestler and he helped a, a great deal in coming out. He didn't come out as a junior, came out as a senior. And I think because he won the state championship in wrestling, he came out with a carefree attitude that, you know, I've, I've kind of already done my thing and now I'm just going to play free. And he even told us that, and he did, and he had a whale of a season and ended up getting injured in the semifinal game at state. I'm not going to say we would have beaten McPherson in the state championship game, but I, I do think it would have been a, a tighter ball game had he had been in there. He was our three hole hitter and um, it was tough loss for us, but, you know, I think, those kinds of kids coming from football and, and wrestling that just have that, that fight to them and that grit that helped us a bunch this year as well. Do you have many guys going on to play at the next level? We have one individual that is, well, actually two that are playing at Kansas city community college. One of them, his dad is the head coach. Otherwise he would probably be playing division one baseball. I know that Kennesaw state and Wichita state were talking to him and, and offered him, but he wanted to go play for dad for a couple of years and he's, He's a kid that needs to put on some beef. Um, and Junior when he does, Kyle's a great place for that. Yep. And I 
we think he's going to be playing in, in the Big 12 or or something like that. So I mean, he's got a lot of ability. And then uh, the other kid that plays there, he's a pitcher for us, and he was uh, 7-0 and last year. And so, yeah, we have just just two. The, the other kid went on to college to wrestle, so that was his love. So what do you wish? We have, we have some more coming, though, that I think that will probably be playing college ball in a few years. What do you wish you had known before you got into teaching and coaching? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about the pay. I knew the pay wasn't going to be the greatest. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I knew the pay wasn't going to be the greatest, but I've, what I've learned in the last few years is your take-home percentage goes down every year because of the cost of insurance and, and yep. just uh, the cost of living and everything. So I, I, I didn't really think that through very well. <laughs> how is How is retirement for Kansas High school for teachers. We do we do have a pension. Uh, it's called Capers, um, which will which will be nice once I get there. But you know, obviously, I also have my own individual plan. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the teacher pay increases are not really happening right now in the state of Kansas anyway. So um, I won't gritch about that too much. But that's that's one thing I wish I had had a, a better plan for when I was in my twenties and saved a little more back then. <laughs> What are you doing supplementing wise? Because I we I did the same thing kind of early on with supplementation. More was like Roth IRA for our kids' education and some other things. But yeah. but if you put enough in, anybody listening in, if if you're just getting going in this thing, if you can put even a small amount away in an extra place monthly, you're gonna come out way ahead on the end. Well, that's what I've told both of my kids. You may not think you can afford it, but if you start doing it now, you'll never miss it. So. And that's something I didn't do at their age, and I wish I would have. But I, I mow. I mow in the summertime. Um, I I have a few yards that I just do um, just to keep busy, but it also gives me a little bit of fun money. Um, last summer, I, I mowed for the school district a little bit. Um, I think I'm going to go back to doing it on my own. Uh, I made a little more money that way. So, But, yeah, that's the main thing I do. I, I like to get outside and and just be in the out, outside environment. I had a bunch of side hustles to try to make it work along the, the coaching <laughs> journey. You can do yeah. it. I know it's tough. You know, I'm, if you're listening in, I know it seems hard, but you know, if there's a will, there's a way, and you can you can make it work. Um, and and if you, you know, the main thing is living below your means. And I know that's really hard in this society, the microwave society that that we're in. If you can can live below your means, you're going to be in great shape at the end. Yeah, I. If- I, I mow because I just don't have a lot of other talent. No, I can't build decks and, and things like that. So I wish I did, but I don't. So I mow because that's that's easy. <laughs> you guys have turf for your field or is it natural? We don't. It's natural. And, and How are you guys handling when you get started during well, the spring? Coach, coach Loomis is our head coach. He's also the head of uh, the district maintenance um, so he, he does all, he does a lot of the mowing and stuff. So he gets to take care of our baseball field too. And not, I should, I, I say get to, because he truly enjoys it. Um, we'd like to have turf because I, you know, I think sometimes that puts us at a disadvantage because when we're inside in the gym, other teams are out on the turf practice and then we're, we can't get that full live look, but, uh, he does a great job in keeping, uh, keeping the field up. And, uh, it's one of the nicer, if not the nicest, uh, high school natural fields in the state it's it's beautiful um i'll have to maybe send you a picture of it we, we had a drone up last year it's 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 quite a sight but 
we would definitely love to have some turf so we didn't have to miss so much practice in the spring when it's raining every other day. How, do you guys – are you allowed to use real baseballs inside? Uh, we can, we do. We play catch with them. Um, but when we're when we're taking ground balls and things, we use – I got some right here. These are little soft things here that won't break somebody's face if it hits them. <laughs> but that's that's what we use when we're, you know, talking about field and fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, how do you guys adjust to that? You know, those of us that have, have worked in colder weather climates, we've had to get used to being inside and, you know – what are some other things that you're doing inside with them to try to keep them acclimated to being outside? Hey, mainly we, we hit in the cage. Um, we're, and we do rotate, we do stay, uh, stations, uh, a lot of bunting, a lot of bunt work. Coach is a big believer in, in laying down bunts. If, you know, we won a lot of games this past couple of years and our ability to, to bunt and our ability to field bunt. So we work on both of those things. Um, bunt defense, bunting, um, and just some hitting stations. A lot of hitting, a lot of bunting, a lot of uh, just fundamental. We get the the outfielders and the infield separated and just work on, you know, your your footwork approaching a ground ball, footwork, you know, turning, opening your hips and on fly balls, things like that. But try to make focus on all the little things. That way, when we get onto the field, we can start bringing the team together and we don't have to worry so much about introducing the, the small things. How are you setting your bunting stations up? Uh, we just rotate and we we use put them machines. In uh, no, we, we usually use live pitching. It, it's, you know, we don't throw it in very hard, but we either get one of our POs to do it or an assistant coach. Um, and we go through and we'll, you know, we obviously, we direct them to where we want it, whether it's down the first base, third baseline or whether drag or, you know, um, but yeah, coaches, coach is very high on that. Sometimes we, they lost our like, man, we're doing the button again. We're like, Oh, it's going to pay off guys. <laughs> you guys have set hitting stations or you rotate hitting stations around you have pretty much the same hitting stations we put them in team we put them in groups like group one group two and then we just we rotate based on if coach thinks we need 15 minutes we rotate that way if 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 it's something he wants to get through a little faster we may put a less time limit on it and sometimes it's based on the team that's in the cage because they usually take a little if we have if we're going three uh you know, if there's five hitters and we're going three times through with six pitches, sometimes it takes them a little longer. So we'll, we'll go on there. When they're done, then we rotate. What do you feel like makes a great assistant coach? Loyalty, for one. You know, that, that goes with any sport. I learned that early on. And, you know, there's coaches I don't – you don't always agree, but I think that's the main one is loyalty. Um, and, but also – just helping out with the communicative process with players because sometimes the coach is worried about, you know, five pitches down the road and sometimes the kids in the dugout need to, you know, have something said to them or taught to them. Um, so I, I guess those are two things, just being an extension of his thoughts and, uh, but mainly loyalty. And I think that's probably something that's said a lot, but in these days, <laughs> you know, people will say, that's big, but then, you know, turn around and do the other thing. But coach and I, I think he knows I, I, I shoot him straight. Sometimes he's, he looks at me and goes, man, well, thanks for your honesty. But, uh, and he knows though, it's not going to offend me. If, you know, I make a suggestion, he shoots it down. That's, that's part of it. Um, but he knows I have his back. I yeah. I mean, what, what are some keys thing. to handling coaching staff conflicts? It's going to happen. Uh, you know, every staff you're going to have conflicts. What are some keys to handling the conflicts? Well, just not getting too emotional about it. I think uh, we've 
one thing about us is we've we've been friends for you know quite a while. I knew him before I started coaching with him. Um, I knew kind of what he was all about. We agree on on our coaching philosophies uh, quite a bit. So, and I tell him like, hey, he knows I'm very open. Some you know sometimes people might say I'm a little too open, honest. <laughs> I don't think you can be too I'm honest. About, I'm about getting things out on the table, and uh, he learned that real real quickly about me and. And I think he appreciates that. I do. I think he appreciates the fact that I'm going to shoot him straight. Um, but I don't, I think we, we don't let it get to us emotionally when we disagree. Uh, we're not in there screaming at each other, fighting like you see some coaches doing. That never happens between us. Um, so never has happened between us. But we have had our disagreements. Um, but we both handle it like adults and move on. I mean, what do you feel like your why is, your coaching philosophy? just getting to know the kids. Um, you know, I, I, it's something I have on my LinkedIn right now and it's something I've always lived by is they don't care what you know till they care or till they know how much you care. Um, we're really big on getting to know them outside the season. And I think that's means more to the kids than anything we know or teach them X's and O's wise. Um, they don't have as much of that anymore. They, you know, they yeah, need more. I know, I know it's hard for some coaches, especially for, like I said earlier. They don't have a ton of adult role school. models anymore. Right. Uh, and I think that's a big reason why we have had some of the success we've had. You know, I'm not trying to – I know we don't know more than a lot of other baseball coaches. There's a lot of great coaches out there. But I do think that we do a great job of, of letting our kids know that we care about them outside of baseball. We, we talk to them in the hallways. We do the coffee thing with them. We, we even have, <laughs> I don't like it so much, but uh, if we have one F on our team, um, number one, they don't play, but number two, uh, sometimes we will call 6:30 AM study holes and the whole team comes. Uh, if one kid has an F, well, you know, we don't, we don't throw that kid under the bus. We don't tell them who it is, but um, that's another thing that I think, the kids appreciate they don't always like getting up at 6 30 but i think they know and i think their parents understand that we care about more than just their baseball abilities that's have you always had that i mean communicating with your players have you always had that along the way with your coaching journey i think so because i i was taught that um i've had i've been fortunate enough to work around some good coaches and um you know thinking back to when i was younger i i probably was a little over the top at times as far as my intensity levels, but I, I think I've always done a pretty good job of communicating and, and grown into that area of learning how to keep my emotions a little bit more under check too. I was, <laughs> is that I was one of the biggest things you kind of changed your mind on? I think you just grow out of that as you get older. I think you just well, you kind of grow out of that. It's one thing I learned from coach Loomis. So uh, I, like I said, I did a lot of football and basketball previously early in my career and it was intensity was good uh you know it was good the kids you had when you call time out sometimes it was good to, to get in them a little bit and motivate them but baseball's a different game um play way more games thing i learned yeah i learned from coach lomas is that hey you just got to stay here you can't get too down you can't get too high and and he's done a good job of of, of helping me learn that as far as baseball you got to keep your head in the ball game because one air can turn into three or four if you're not careful. So yeah, I, I've learned a lot. So <laughs> what are some tips for some youth coaches listening in right now? 
let them have fun is I think number one, let them have fun. Don't, don't overcoach them at that young age. It's, it's crazy. Sometimes when you go to watch a youth game, the, what, what I was just talking about, some of the intensity you see on the baseball field. And uh, I think it goes a little far at times there. Don't get me wrong. A lot of great youth coaches out there. Say that for practice, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, again, it's, you can take that coaching and some of that and, and take that into practice, but when it's time for them to play, let them let them go play. Yeah, a good way to get a kid to really disinterested in your sport is to embarrass them yes. in front of everybody. And, you know, I've, I've seen kids quit playing the game because they, we've, they've told us, like dad, mom, aunt, uncle, whoever, just embarrassed them. And uh, that's that's a shame because – you know, it's a great sport, and I think baseball can teach you a lot about life just in how it's it takes a lot of mental toughness and a lot of – it tests you individually. And and we have some great example. Thing. We have some great examples across the country of coaches that are doing it right. You know, we need to continue to educate parents and coaches on this, but we do have a lot of really good youth coaches in that space yeah. that are doing it right. And look at what USA Baseball has done here. This summer, I mean, we are moving in the right direction. We just got to pull more people up with us on on how to actually coach kids. Yeah, and I think it, it's a good move that we did three or four years ago in kind of releasing our kids during the summer. We we yeah. we encourage them to go find teams to play on, and and they know they know who some of the teams in the area are that coach wants them to be on. I think it's things we've ever done is we released them to go get coached by some other people yeah and they need a different you got to hear a different voice sometimes same thing with every team bringing outside people in like you, they just need to hear a different voice sometimes and you know what it's a lot more fun when we go watch them play and we can sit in stands and watch them and, and cheer for them and and not be their coach all the time and you know i i think that has benefited our program do you guys have a feeder program i mean do you have youth feeder programs coming in for baseball we do not i mean we have we have a local team that is uh coached by some individuals that i guess you could say that was a feeder program because they all end up coming here to high school and they do they do a very good job with the the youth uh and teaching them fundamentals and but no not a not a feeder program per se i think that's a common theme when you look around the country at the good high school programs around the country is they have some sort of feeder program set up that have good coaches at the lower levels that are going to feed obviously it works from the ground up with that but that's a common theme all over the country with our better high school programs we've been fortunate that you know we don't have anyone designated but the two 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 teams i can think of here in the recent last 4 or 5 years they're very open to, you know, us and, and coach and, and they, they like to teach the same things that we're teaching and they, they are very, you know, they're not like, this is my program. I'm going to run it my way, but coach is the same way. He's not, he's not going down there and, and, you know, say, Hey, we need this. We need this. We need, this. as long as they're, you know, letting them have fun and, and teaching the basic fundamentals. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the main thing. What are your on-field responsibilities? I'm first base coach, and then I coach outfielders. Um, I used to work with the infielders a little bit, um, but coach coach likes to to work with the catchers and the pitchers, and so I work with the outfielders. But and he's the guy at third base waving them home, and I'm the guy trying to get them there. So. <laughs> 
Do you have Try favorite outfield it. drills? And do you have any favorite outfield drills? We don't do honestly. We don't do anything any different than probably what most people do. Um, you know, we, we work a lot on coming in, approaching the ball, attacking the ball, chopping your feet, um, open your hips, you know, but uh, reverse outs, things like that. Just the, the, your typical outfield drills. We don't do anything real special. We just really hammer those three or four things really hard. You work pro step or traditional step when they're fielding? Um, we do pro step. Do you? Is that yeah, for everybody? We, yeah, well, I can say what we do that, but now that I think about it, coaches, we've kind of gotten to the point where – I, for me, it's an individual thing. Yeah, it's, I, it's whatever you're comfortable and, with. I and agree. I think it has more to do with how tall they are, too. You know, that was the thing. I think your shorter kids can use a more traditional fielding in the outfield, and then your your bigger kids, I think the pro step works easier for them because they can balance getting down a little bit easier. So I think it's more of an individualized fielding position, depending on size and, yeah, and comfort. And I, it's one of those things that we've kind of gone a little bit away from like, yeah. cause we had some, we had a couple outfielders this past year that they were just natural at what they, you don't want to change. I, you know, you don't want to mess with that. So I, I and dominant foot. I, I think about this sometimes with like prep steps for mm -hmm. infielders outfield. Cause I played both along the way, but my left foot was my dominant foot. I played soccer. So I always played on the left side. My left foot was my dominant foot, so if I played the outfield, I was much more comfortable in a traditional fielding position because my left foot was my dominant foot. That makes sense. Yeah, but, you well, know, those are all the questions you ask along the way. It's like, okay, it, it can't be, you know, it can't cookie cut. It can't be black and white. There's, there's a lot of nuances to all of this. I can tell you with coach's philosophy is there's, there's, he does, he has very few absolutes. His absolutes are the lead. You take it first base. He wants you to do it the same way every time. You're going to learn how to bunt and you're going to learn how to throw and catch um, the right way. Um, other than that, he tells them, like, if there's something you've learned with another program or another coach that works for you and it doesn't go against my my absolutes, I'm fine with it. And that, it's it's worked well for us. So you guys are like out said, there when they're playing catch during practice, you guys are out there with them. Yeah, we, we do every day. We do. We take quite a few. I'd say close to. 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes playing, just playing catch and, and doing some fielding drills. Um, and he tells them he reinforces it every day. Uh, sometimes if, if it's a little loose and some balls are hitting the fence and getting over, we'll, we'll stop and we'll get some conditioning in to make them refocus. But he tells them like, guys, if you can't throw and catch, you can't win baseball. I don't care how well you hit. If you can't throw and catch, it's, uh, you're not going to win baseball games. And we tell them it's the most important part of practice every day is, is at that first 30 minutes. So, you guys have many dual pitcher position players? Uh, yeah, we do. We're small enough that we we pretty much have. Now, we play a lot of teams that you look over there, and they got guys in the bullpen, and we're like, wow, that'd be that'd be a neat luxury to have. But I don't know. I love two-way uh, players. Most of our guys are two-way players. We did have a couple POs this past year. Um, yeah, I think it forces you to be way more creative as a coach if you have to, to coach guys that can do both. I oh. think it, I, you have to be way more creative as a coach. It absolutely does, especially when you get to, to regionals and state and it's one and done. I mean, you, you like uh, you get to state, uh, you know, McPherson, for example, when the, we met in the state championship game, they they were the one seed and they played the eighth seed and they got such a big lead in that first game that they were able to pull their one out after, I don't know, 20 some pitches. 
So they were able to have him saved him for the state championship game while we, we had to burn our one and our two. And, and so that, that was a luxury that they had where, um, where we didn't, but, you know, credit to them, but, you know, some of those five and six, a teams classification teams, bigger schools that we play. Yeah. We're, we're, we're like, okay, how are we going to piece this together? And we look over there and they've got three guys warming up in the bullpen. That's, <laughs> It's a little tough sometimes, but it's always interesting to see how coaches have navigated the pitch, the pitch count rules. But I, I mean, it's it's been better. I don't. I mean, from the outside looking in, I think it's been better. I don't know how you guys are feeling about the pitch count rules. Well, yeah, it definitely holds coaches accountable. Um, I think most coaches have the best interest of players um, in mind. I do think maybe sometimes the the pitch counts are a little stringent. Um, but I also understand why, why, why they do it. It's almost um, like you should graduate. That, that's something to think about. It's almost like a graduation as the year goes on where you should be much stricter in the beginning of the year. Yeah. But then as players get acclimated, can you extend them a little bit, but, but you would have to shrink it back to start, but then can, Hey, can you add five pitches on per week as they go once they get acclimated? Cause if you can keep them from getting hurt early in the year, once they get acclimated, that's, that's usually it's full go for guys. Yeah. And unless they're showing some signs of soreness or in the wrong areas, if they're elbow, you know, we coach always tells them that, you know, shoulder soreness, you know, that's going to happen, you know, fight through it. But, you know, we always tell them to kind of pay attention to your elbow and if that's hurting, then we need to, we need to get it looked at. But yeah, I think you're right. It's if a kid's late in the season and they're, 102 pitches in and they're not showing fatigue or you know i i went when i was in high school i <laughs> the knowledge base but i remember throwing 120 130 pitches and, and then doing it again four days later and luckily i've never had any arm problems but i know not everybody's the same but i'd like to i'd like to see the pitch count increased by five to ten pitches i think that would help a bunch but that's just my personal opinion do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something that you thought was going to sidetrack you, but looking back now is one of the best things that happened to you? As far as in my career? Or Anything, personal, season? professional? Well, yeah. Uh, when I got out of education back you know, as of in about 2006-ish, 7-ish, it was kind of a rough spot in my life. I was going through a divorce and yeah. and uh, had little kids at home that I was missing. Quite frankly, I was missing being around my, my children and and I was actually in the FedEx business and yeah, I, that definitely was a time I was kind of wondering what, what am I doing here? But, uh, luckily I had people in my life that knew me that recruited me back into education. So, you know, I got to give the credit to them because I don't know if I'd be here if I didn't, if they didn't come to me and say, Hey, how about, how about getting back into teaching? So love it. Love it. That's that's good that you have somebody in your corner that can nudge you in that direction because we don't, you know, we don't always have people like that that are willing to be honest with us and and obviously cultivate people's true passions. Yeah, I'm lucky. I'm definitely lucky in that regard. I work with uh, a lot of great people here. We we've got a group of friends that, you know, we do we do a lot of things outside the building and going out to eat and our wives get together and we do cookouts and things like that. So. I'm in a good place here in Tonganoxie, and and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, throw out our parents and, and our administrative staff here were a great big part of our success. You guys have a booster years. club? We do. We do. Um, 
but our administration trusts us to go to take kids to, to tournaments early in the year and stay overnight. They, they trust us that we're going to, our kids are going to behave and do the right thing. But I tell you what, our parent, our parent support in almost 30 years of coaching have never seen the, the kind of support that we've gotten the last couple of years from our parents. That's um, a huge difference. I mean, we told them that at the banquet at the end of the year. And, and I know, I don't know if they thought we were just saying it to be nice, but it, it's the truth. They, man, they were there for everything we needed. Um, didn't have any issues. Uh, it's just amazing. It's, I've never seen anything like it. It was awesome. I mean, it just made everything that happened towards the end of the year that much better because everybody was pulling. It's a community. Together. It's a community. Yeah. And, nice. I, and I honestly had never experienced that before. So it was a good way for me to go out, I guess. <laughs> you have any evening or morning routines you do every day that you like? Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee in the morning, and and I, I'll tell you, I like to play. Uh, I like to play video games on my phone. Love so it. I get home. I like. That's a first. We haven't out. had that yet. That's a first. Which, which uh, games? Which games are you bang um, on the phone? I gosh, one of them's baseball. Uh, 2019. I can't remember the exact name of it. I do that, and then uh, it's like Bubble Pop or something. I don't even know the name of it, but uh, I used to be a Candy Crush guy, but I kind of got. I got worn out on that one. So <laughs> see, but that's I, why I you, like that's why you're lenient on the phones with your guys because you're on it too. Yeah. I try to keep it, keep it hidden during class most of the time. But, um, uh, but then I also just like, I, I like working in my yard. Like I like to mow. I like, I like to work in the, in the yard, keep the yard look nice. So you got any favorite books? Not really. I'm not much of a reader to be honest with you. Um, the last book I read was, uh, the art of scouting. Um, uh, he was a scout for the Kansas City Royals. He just passed away. Art, I can't remember his last name, but that was that was a that was a great book. He used to be a scout for the Yankees and then came to the Royals. And um, that's the last book I read about a year and a half ago. So, what are yeah, some other what are some guy. coaching resources that you enjoyed? You know, I mean, multi-sport coach. Uh, um, what you know, were, I, I look at the was ABC it clinics? Day. Was it books? Was it you know what what resources kind of helped you along the way? I use the I use the internet quite a bit. Go on there and I look for some you know philosophies, some some quotes, some drills, things like that. But I also always the ABCA um, uh, publication. I look at it, um, but mostly the internet is what I I go to. There's uh, sometimes it's college websites. Um, I know Coach Loomis. I don't. I don't know if you've ever met Coach Loomis, our head coach, but uh, he listens to you like <laughs> religiously. When Tell I told him thank him, you, going, Coach Loomis. I, I appreciate you. If you're listening in, Coach Loomis, I appreciate it. It does mean I, a lot. I get it's so gratifying when people reach out or say that they listen because I. Well, I'm going to start listening now. I, I wasn't <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not a big social media guy, so I don't. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't aware, but when I told you I was told him I was going on your show, he was like, no kidding. Like, oh, I listen to him all the time. So. Love it. <laughs> no, it is. You know, you feel like you're giving back in your own small way. You feel like you're giving back to the baseball community. And that's uh, just gratifying when people say things like that. Well, it's cool. I'm like you. I don't I don't take compliments well. I think yeah. I'm extremely hard on myself at times, but I, I, <laughs> I don't take compliments well. It's just kind of the way I was raised. Me too. Um, that's why they called me in the office when they presented me this award. I guess the principal wanted to do something in front of the uh, entire student body. And I think Coach Loomis said, I don't, I don't know if he'll like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they didn't do that. I, I, 
I don't know. It's just like, like you said, it's the way I was raised, and maybe I should just let go and enjoy things like that a little more. But it just well, you got to savor it. This is something that that you have to savor because you know it doesn't hardly ever happen. So when things like this happen, you do have to step back and, and savor those moments because they just don't happen very often. Yeah, that, like I said, it's probably the best individual thing that's ever happened. Obviously, there's there's team times that are, that were very exciting that I look back, but individually, I'd say this is probably my best moment is having something like this because a lot of times you you know in coaching it's not very it's not very well appreciated by you don't especially feel as an very assistant. well appreciated sometimes. Yeah, especially as kind an of under the gun a lot. And you wonder sometimes if there are people noticing, are people noticing that we, you know, we're trying to do the right things. And so, yeah, it, it definitely was a humbling experience, but uh, it's, it was a great deal. Great day. What are some final thoughts or, or something I should ask you that I didn't? I really can't think of anything. I really didn't know what you were going to ask me. <laughs> I didn't really. I get this a lot. <laughs> You know, people will ask for questions. I, I want this to be a very organic conversation. And sometimes, you know, I'll have a list of questions, but we don't always get to them. And I just, I want the conversation to kind of go wherever it takes us. And so that's why I don't send questions out to people because I, I don't want their, their answers to be programmed. Right. Um, so that's why I don't send out questions. And I people. kind of assumed that. Uh, yeah. My wife even asked me last night, she said, well, what, what are you guys going to talk about? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I assume we're going to talk some baseball, but I don't. <laughs> and sure. I figured that's you sure. probably didn't want a robot coming on your show. So, yeah. well, Brad, I really appreciate it. I have a lot of respect for you because I have I have friends and family that were in special education. And I know how hard that job is. So I, I, I really do appreciate the fact that, that you love that and that's calling for you. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you, you know, having me on. It's uh, been a good experience for me. All right, sir. All right. Have a great rest of your week. Okay. Take care, Ryan. I love that the podcast allows us to shine a light on some of the unsung heroes in our profession. Special education is a true calling. I have so much respect for our teachers on that side of education. Congrats again to Coach Shelton and the Tonganoxie program on their season. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Jim Richardson, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABC office for all the help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter and TikTok, CoachB underscore ABCA, Instagram, RyanBrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABC app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.